Support for this podcast comes from Dynamic Air Quality Solutions. Since 1982, Dynamic has been the leader in designing, manufacturing, and distributing IAQ products to the commercial and residential markets through authorized HVAC contractors. Certain PATH members receive the exclusive value to add the Clean Air Defense System private label to drive your brand in the market you serve. Our commitment starts with support. We provide you with world-class industry-leading technical and communications training, face-to-face and online. Become a Clean Air Defense System indoor air quality partner and dominate your market. Visit worldclassiaq.com for more information. Welcome to the Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath, formerly Success Group International, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. As a reminder, all episodes of The Successful Contractor are available on YouTube, as well as your podcast player of choice. And for more information on how Certain Path can put your contracting company on a certain path to success, visit our website, www.mycertainpath.com. I'm excited to bring to you something a little different this episode. Rather than sharing a success story, I had the opportunity to interview Matt Wyatt, the founding partner of Chapman & Co. Leadership Institute. Matt was one of our keynote speakers at our recent Certain Path Expos in Washington, D.C. But before going to Expo, I sat down with him to talk about a highly important topic in our industry today, and that's growing leaders. Over the course of our conversation, Matt shared many great insights on how to identify, train, nurture, and recognize leaders. If you own a growing business and are looking for ways to grow it even faster, this interview is for you. By the way, in the show notes, on the podcast player, and on the YouTube page, you'll find links to some great resources that Matt mentions. So please give those a look. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Matt Wyatt, the founding partner of Chapman & Co. Leadership Institute. I hope you enjoy our conversation and take away a nugget or two. Matt, thank you so much for meeting with me today. I really appreciate it. I know you've got a busy schedule. For those uh, listening and watching, can you share with everyone uh, your name, your company name, and, and what you do? Yeah, my name is Matt Wyatt. I am a senior partner at Chapman & Co. Leadership Institute. We're a people consultancy that does a lot of work in leadership development, assessments, culture work, and then linking that all back to uh, customer service. Excellent, excellent. Now, by the time people get this podcast, it'll be shortly after our expo, unfortunately, but maybe you, could you just kind of briefly encapsulate in a minute or two what, what your message will be and what you're hoping our, our members will get from it? Well, if I stay remotely on script, we'll be talking a little bit about <laughs> inspirational leadership. Like it's a word people throw around, yeah. but we'll kind of break this open, look at the brain science behind it and how companies large and small can use the power of inspiring people, which means to fill them with an urge to do or to feel something. We're going to start with that. We're going to move into some trust and high performing teams. We'll probably wrap up with how we debate and how we decide. This is how we think about What do leaders do? What's the work of leadership? Debating, deciding, communicating, motivating your folks. And so we'll we'll do some work with that. It'll be highly interactive. It's the Hamilton of leadership development talk. So (laughs) if you miss it, make sure you view the recording. And I think it's uh, going to be available on my certain path. Yes, look at that. Plug in it already. I love it. Yeah, yes. Members, we will have that on our hub, uh, which is our internal website. uh, Not not too long after Expo. So check it out for non-members watching and listening. We have uh, over 2,000 pages of content, over 1,000 videos, lots of great keynotes like Matt. So come come join the family, join the family. and dig in. So, so, uh, but uh, excellent. Well, excellent. Great. 
Well, Matt, for those who uh, who watch and, and listen to the podcast regularly, they know before I kind of dig into the meat of my interviews, I like to, to learn people's stories a little bit. And you've got a great one, and it's a long one. We could talk an hour just about your background. Uh, I know you're from Southern California, and you've decided it's way better to live in the Midwest, so you're here. And uh, <laughs> and you found yourself in the military. You have a distinguished 25-year career with our military. Kind of talk about some of the cool things you got to do in your 25 years. Yeah, just quickly, I, I am I'm, I'm a Southern California kid, grew up. My my father's side of the, of the family was from Los Angeles. My mom's from San Diego. We lived right in the middle, right in Orange County. Uh, my mom and brother still live out there. All my family's still there. I found myself joining the military at around 18. Uh, I was not what you call a good student, didn't apply <laughs> myself. And so when it came to, hey, what are you going to do with your life? I was like, I need to probably find some direction. Uh, I joined the Air Force up and I was a mechanic during high school, a car mechanic. Mm -hmm. So it was a pretty natural um, evolution to just go into the military as an aircraft mechanic and going to school. And after I got my bachelor's degree, I made the decision that I would apply for officer training school and went through that and served a full kind of career in there. I have deployments to Afghanistan, the Middle East, West Africa. I worked for NATO, some work even in uh, Ukraine before all the conflict that's going on now. Yeah. And did some work in the United Nations as well some time in the Pentagon, the, the, the biggest bureaucracy ever. So that's always a, <laughs> it's always a learning environment there. Interesting. Uh, and then ended up running a small think tank outside of, of St. Louis. And kind of that's how I made the transition from, uh, from the military. Very good. Very good. Now, what, what do you love about what you do at, at Chapman and Company today? Sounds like a fun job. So I started this consultancy. We're going to be eight years old coming up this June to work with a variety of companies from pro sports teams uh, to airlines to uh, to large retailers, to small startups, HVAC organizations, those kind of things. So I really like the variability. I like the idea, of regardless of what industry you're in, how we can transfer the learnings from industries uh, and people serving people under stressful environments. I like that kind of work. And so I enjoy the variability and the impact we can have. That's exciting. That's exciting. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about growing leaders, and, and we'll dig into that in just a moment, but to kind of set it up a little bit, I, in doing some internet research on you, I stumbled upon an interview you've given to a small podcast called The Innovative Mindset, and the gentleman interviewing you had mentioned, uh, or he'd asked you, what were some of your greatest takeaways from your military experience, and you had uh, quoted some research you dug into in Google's Project Aristotle, and you had mentioned there's five driving factors uh, that lead to the effectivity. That's what they found. It was psychological safety, dependability, structure and clarity, meaning and impact. And I buzzed through those really fast. But can you maybe talk about each of those? And I thought they were fascinating. And, and you had mentioned how it resonated in your military career as well as you found that those five factors are, are critical in, in a business environment as well. Yeah, our consultancy kind of blends what's the best in industry training knowledge along with what did we find in academia? What did we find for the military? And when he asked the question, first of all, thanks for cyber stalking me. I really appreciate that. Not <laughs> I'm good at it. Sure. Right. Uh, and also, when the I remember when the person asked, like, what did you learn from the military? What I wanted to say was, you know, more cheeky things like, well, one, you better have a damn good sense of humor because there's a lot of <laughs> waiting around at times and you're wondering, like, what the hell are we doing here? Sure. And the other thing that I learned in the military, and this is probably true as the organization gets bigger, um, you learn some rules about operating in a bureaucracy. And you start mm. to really uh, appreciate uh, when people can be a little more nimble. So the, you know you're getting to be too big when there's no penalty for saying no. Mm. So I think as you 
feeding your business or your organization, there should be a penalty for saying no. What's the opportunity we're missing here? Uh, yeah. Any bureaucracy, just to say this out loud, you got to know what rules can be bent, what rules can be broken, and what are the rules you better follow. And if you that's don't know all three of those, that's a dangerous environment to be in. Uh, but I'll move it more into what you had mentioning. So Google ran a project called Project Aristotle from his quote, uh, the sum is greater than just the whole of its parts. Uh, I would encourage your listeners just to Google literally Project Aristotle. It'll come up. It's all open source. It's really good reading. You, they have some activities to lead your teams through. But as you mentioned, they found at all the factors, what were the most contributing ones to high team performance? Mm-hmm. Number one was psych safety. Defined, it's safe to take risks in front of my coworkers and it not be held against me. And I don't mean risks like we should go get sushi from a gas station. Not that. <laughs> yeah. stuff, but more like if the whole team is thinking we should do this project, is it safe for you to say, I have some concerns and here are the reasons why those concerns and it'd yeah. be okay. So that's mm-hmm. factor one. And sometimes we index so heavy, we think, well, that's all we need is psych safety. No, not at all. The second one is dependability. Can I do my J-O-B? Am I good at what I do? Can I be relied on to to operate at a performance level that you expect me to? Number three is structure and clarity. I'm going to define it like in a sports team. So think about, I don't know, soccer, football. Everyone has a role to play. And do I understand where my lane is? And most importantly, and this would be, I'm going to equate it back into any one of the businesses that might be a member of certain path, my certain path. Thinking about, do you understand if you do your job well, how that impacts other people on the team? And if you don't do your job well, the impact of people around you, either upstream or downstream. Yep. Oftentimes we say things like, oh, we're very siloed because we haven't taken the time to explain the entire uh, work stream, if you will. Mm-hmm. The meaning and impact of the last two. I think a lot of times, if you read a lot of leadership books, they really index heavy into this. And I would just offer, this is very personal. Uh, meaning, meaning I believe in the work that we're doing. Impact is where I probably lean heavier into, and that is, can I see that for the effort I put in, there is a result? So yeah. I'm not just playing the drums with no sound. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, just quickly, I would offer, if you're walking around your business, I would ask uh, one question to your folks, and that is, what do you wish people knew about your job, but they probably don't? Mm. What do you wish people knew about your job, but they probably don't? Oftentimes, the individual is going to talk about how important their work is, so you can yeah. hear what they're saying, and to the impact that it has, how mm. difficult it is and where it's frustrating. So I would ask that question to kind of give a proxy for how are we structured, the psychological safety, those kind of things. That's a good nugget. I like that. Thank you, Matt. So I, I thought it was interesting because if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, within that, that research, Google found they had teams that did really well with that, and they had teams that did not do well with it, right? And I think ultimately it comes down to the leader that provides that environment, that those five factors can thrive. And, and so that kind of transitions to what I wanted to, to talk more in depth with you, with you about, which is growing leaders because strong leaders grow strong teams. So we have to find those leaders, right? From either inside or, or outside our organization. So um, what, in your opinion, what are the key characteristics a business owner, a senior leader should look for when considering someone for a management or leadership position? Yeah. So let's break this down quickly. Sometimes yeah. we'll say, oh, are leaders born or are they made? Mm-hmm. And I would offer, they're probably developed the very mm-hmm. best ones. 
And yeah. so can I, can I select the raw product that with development, with honing, with mentoring, with more experience, it just gives them the best chance of right. being a leader that represents your organization. And I think this is important. And let's start with the importance of this first. So go your frontline leaders, so goes your culture, so goes your mm. culture, so goes your customer service, so goes your customer service, so goes your business. True. So the reason we're putting such a preferential treatment on the frontline leader is that's where about 80% of any organization reports into. Yeah. So I'm going to bring up uh, Top Gun. It's popular. It's popular in the past. It's popular now with the reboot, sure. with Maverick. Look, it, and it's if you haven't seen the movie, is it is it decent? Yes, you have to shut off some reality, but then <laughs> the brain cheat goes great. Okay, where Hollywood gets Top Gun right, and my brother was a was an instructor for the Air Force version of Top Gun, and where Hollywood gets it right is these are the these are incredibly talented young men and women that are flying these jets. That's correct. Where it gets it wrong is it tries to put all these call signs and crazy volleyball games out on the beach and then just talk about the individual. Yeah. Top Gun was literally selected so that we could transfer knowledge and create teachers, instructors that would go back to their unit mm. and they would instruct and teach them how to be great pilots. It wasn't to build one single great pilot. It was to build teachers. And what yeah. they found doing this and for the Air Force side, the Air Force has three values of its Top Gun school. It is credible, humble, and approachable. Hmm. So when I think about what are you looking for in leaders, I would look for these factors and one is really important that I wanna highlight. The first one, credible. Can you do your job? Did you have the initiative? How quick did you learn something? It's a proxy for how much intellectual horsepower someone has. So yeah. I'm looking for how quickly you picked up the work and how you wanted more work as well. You took initiative and you're able to learn things quickly, period, credible. Humble, we say this and we throw this word around, but what I'm looking for is for leaders to be asking a lot of questions. In other words, they come into any new environment and they think I can learn something from anyone in any circumstance. The behavior I'm looking for evaluating for future leaders are, are you asking a lot of questions? Are you very curious about people, the work, the customer, all of that. So yeah. that's credible and humble. The last one, and this is where, when the Air Force looked at this, it was really important was, it wasn't just that you were really smart and you wanted to learn a lot, it was that you were approachable so people actually wanted to come to you and ask you for their help. Yeah. And the approachable part was really important because what I didn't want is I didn't want someone extremely arrogant who was just so great that everyone felt intimidated by. Mm -hmm. You were going back to your unit as a quote unquote, as a Jedi. I know I'm mixing movies here, but you were somebody who was very steeped in the art of employing, in this case, a yeah. fighter jet, and that you were so approachable, people wanted to learn from you. So I would think the same thing in any business, credible, yeah. humble, approachable. That's interesting. How much in the military do you guys talk about your core values? Is it, you know, in, in our space, we tell, hang them on the wall, try to make it a yeah. point to talk about them at least weekly. Because, you know, if you talk about it, eventually it kind of sticks and it exudes to the people. Is that is that the military way as well? Or is it just spoken about? I mean, you know, how much is it integrated into the culture? Yeah, and the military is a tough one, right? Because it's one of the largest, if you were just to right. say, look at the U.S. military and equate it to companies, it would employ over a million people on active duty. That's budget is really, so it's hard to look at that yeah. one and then say, hey, what'd you do with core values? In some units, really good. In other units, right. perhaps it's more wallpaper or on the internet sure. kind of thing. 
but maybe those we elite can ones. It, yeah, maybe we could translate it into companies and how yeah. we think about infusing values or making decisions by them. Because yeah. ideally, our values should be not just how we operate, but how we make decisions. So filter right. for decision making. The one mistake, and if I can start off on the maybe a little negative connotation that I see organizations, is they think if I just talk about it more and I yeah. talk about it louder and I put it on walls everywhere, then it'll be infused. And I think, well, yeah. it, it doesn't exactly work that way. And that's the reason why we didn't listen to our parents when we were growing up. Or at least <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I did not. I think the part where organizations can get this a little better is um, I'm going to have people wrestle with them and, and integrate them. So one is I'm going to integrate them into things like my performance reviews. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to just get abstractly on how many, you know, what, what customer service did you have, the customer service score. I'm going to talk about how did you do that. I'm going to bring up our values and I'm going to mention them and I'm going to evaluate and we're going to talk about your performance as That's it relates good. to. Two, I'm going to use it for recognition constantly. Rather than just saying good job, I'm going to mention what the value was, bring that in. Three, I'm going to ask the leaders if I have, let's just make it up. Let's say you have an organization, you've selected five values. I don't know, integrity, don't bite your coworkers, whatever they are. Doesn't matter to me. They're always <laughs> positive. So yes. doesn't matter. Great customer service, whatever it is. Ask your leaders to rank order these. What do we mm. do best? What do we do worst? I'm bringing this up because humans learn through trying, through experimentation. You have to give somebody something to struggle with or to solve. Yeah. So instead of just transmitting and saying, these are our values, give them a problem to solve. Hey, where do we do this well? Where do we do this badly? Um, I'm not sure that's great English. Where do we do this poorly? Yeah. Where is it? Where is it that it's easy to do? And what gets in the way of doing these values more? Mm. Sometimes when you have something like, let's say integrity and the customer's always right. Well, maybe the customer's not always right in this case. Maybe they're trying to take advantage of us. So how do these yeah. two things wrestle? Yes. I want to get in those conversations and that will make our values more real. I love it. I love it. You know, when you work with somebody, you can typically see if they exude your values, right? You can tell if that's someone that you want to elevate in your company in the leadership position. But so often what we struggle with in our space is these companies are growing so quickly that they have to look outside, right? And so you all of a sudden you're, you're in that recruiting game. And how can you tell if someone that you don't know that you're sitting down with for a face-to-face -face interview really believes or, or shares similar values that you can trust to come in and lead your people? It, it's an interesting question. I think the challenge with this is, is we're in we're in a pretty strong judgment land here. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to give I'm trying to give you and your listeners some tangible activities that we can do here. Sure. So I'm in a little bit of a judgment land of do you believe my values? There's a Monty Python skit, and they're trying to take new members to go attack the Romans. If you're a Roman, listen to this. I'm sorry, it's just a skit. I'm fine. <laughs> And so they ask the question, they're like, hey, to be in our club, you have to hate the Romans. And the guy that's trying to join their club goes, oh, I do. And they're like, no, 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 you have to really hate the Romans. He goes, I really hate the Romans. And they go, okay, you're in. Like, how do I actually understand yeah. or evaluate someone for the values? I will offer for new leaders, we run, and you can run these and find something online that works. We run an assessment. Yes. What is this person? What's their personality like? Mm -hmm. I'm going to turn, and I don't mean this in an uncaring way, I'm going to turn mm -hmm. someone, a new applicant, especially for promotion or someone from the outside, I want to know what I'm dealing with from their hardwire personality. How mm -hmm. thick-skinned are you? How much empathy do you have, concern for people? 
all of those aspects, I want to turn you into a little bit of a math problem. The reason is, as a leader, my, my act of caring leadership is to put you in a position I know you're going to excel. Sure. The values in my interview, I'm going to bring them up. I'm going to mention where we use them. I'm going to ask that person to comment on them. Mm. Most of the time, because our values are pretty positive, I'm not yes. going to see anyone in an interview that disagrees with them. Right. But I want to put them into action and then see how they interact with them. Yeah, very good. That's interesting. I like that. We we talk we talk a lot about like taking personality assessments and seeing where people are strong and trying to, to mesh with that, and also asking questions that that you know speak to core values. That's great. So we we are in sync with that at, at certain path. Now, um, if I could just go ahead, two, real quick, on yeah. the assessment, it's not just a go no go. It's yeah. It's probably most often, it's still a go, but I need to right. show you where you're going to be. You need to lean in a little bit here. Hey, right. you, you're a little bit over trusting. So I want you to make sure when you're evaluating compensity of team members, you're bringing someone else along with you. Um, yeah. uh, you, oh, you really benefit from having real direct feedback. Great, here's a person in the organization. So it's not just a go, no go. It's I want you to land as an onboarding new leader uh, in the yeah. best way possible. So I'm going to give you some information about yourself. Yeah, that's interesting. I, and actually, it kind of lends well into what I was going to ask about next in terms of like training and coaching new leaders, right? Because in our space, we get a lot. I mean, it's kind of similar in the military. You get a lot of ex-military. You got a lot of young people that show a lot of great things. There's certain characteristics, right? And we're like, we're going to put them in a leadership position, but they don't, you know, they don't know how to be, how to lead. So we have to coach and train them. What are some things you'd recommend is it one-on-one -on -one conversations? I mean, what what would you what would you do in the organization? Yeah, there's there's electric shock therapy joke in here somewhere, but I'm gonna leave it alone for right now. But, I, I, so first is oftentimes we promote the best doer and then we make them queen right. or king of doers because you did a good job. Happens a lot in our yeah. yeah, that's the credibility aspect. Can you do your yeah. job where you did you have a lot of initiative? Did you pick it up quickly? I think that's perfectly fine that that's one of the criteria I'm selecting leaders for. Oftentimes, we haven't told the person that we promoted, we have not told them that fundamentally, a, at least a portion of their job has changed. I no longer need you to just be a great doer. I need you to build other great doers. Yes. This is the whole thing about, well, if you wanted to fight a fire, I don't need to be a better firefighter. I need more firefighters on my team. Yeah. Yeah. So one, I told you fundamentally a portion of your job has changed. And then the second one is, have I done exactly what you mentioned? Like, we're going to talk about how we lead through our values. I'm going to at least have some type of development program. And I don't yeah. mean you're hiring a consultancy like ours. Perhaps you're choosing a suite of your smaller business and you're saying, this year uh, for a leader, your requirement is to read these books and mm -hmm. answer these questions. It's to yeah. watch these videos. Um, this is how I want you to lead by I think for some reason we equate, you were really good at the technical aspect. I'm sure you're going to be really good at the people aspect. Yeah. And for some, perfectly fine. They're highly emotional, intelligent. They have a large degree of being able to read people, empathy, motivate yes. folks. And for others, they need a little bit of help. Um, and so I look at, are you starting any kind of development program, whether it's large or small? The other aspect that I really like is, if you have other great leaders in the organization, start a mentoring program. What are mm. they doing great? Lunch and learns. These small things that you should integrate into your development plan in a business. And it doesn't take daily one-on-ones. It's not feasible for most businesses. Yeah. Um, but those small things to say, here's how we actually are going to develop people. 
is important. Support for this podcast comes from Synchrony. Ever wonder how to calculate your true cost of financing and how to fit the price of financing into your business and pricing for products and services? In Synchrony's new and improved toolbox website, you can easily calculate your cost of credit, view educational videos, and learn more about Synchrony's digital tools. Simply go to toolbox.syf.com to explore and learn more. So I want to chase that just a, just a little bit. What, because in terms of the, the technical end of that, because we get what happens a lot in, in our space, I'm sure lots of businesses, they start out with a great intention. We're going to have a regular training program or leadership development program. And all of a sudden, like summer hits in, in the HVAC world and, and right. their hair is on fire and they go, well, we've got, we're going to chase revenue. It happens. Uh, how do you avoid doing that? How, how do you become systematic in terms of your training and your development? Is it just a, a mental mindset or is it putting it on paper and making it an expectation? We have to do this. What, what, what recommendations might you have? My first recommendation is you actually ask your folks and you work within the cycle of business. I know we have companies that are all around the, the U.S. and countries, and so perhaps the weather patterns are different. But one is, right, I mean, I have clients that we will not do work with them during the summer months because of the business busyness. But during the months that they're not busy, I am being very deliberate to say, let's layer in some learnings from the last busy cycle we had. So I think yeah. it's both these things to say, I recognize the business pressures, but I also recognize what the cyclic nature is. And here's where we have some downtime where not only am I going to layer technical training, I'm going to layer the, the people training as well. And yeah. just from a mindset perspective of why this is motivating, you wouldn't put someone on a truck with a new piece of equipment that you haven't trained them on. Yeah. It's the same thing. Why do we put people in someone else's span of care without giving them some training? I prioritize mm -hmm. the other stuff. I would think about it the exact same way. This is a new piece of equipment. This is a new talent that I'm asking you to be able to learn. So we're going to prioritize that. Yeah, very good. Uh, is there anything when 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 things are so busy, right? And and you're just running from one job to the next. You still that's when culture kind of can erode, right? And people yeah, get yeah, angry yeah. and tired because they're working so hard. As leaders, what can we do? Just the little things to to say I appreciate you or hey. We're still a team, right? It may not be the, the formal huge training, right? If you don't feel like you have time for it, but how do you still keep those little connections or any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, so it, it's interesting. I used to do evaluations for organizations. So I would mm -hmm. evaluate their readiness factors in the military. And we still do that now at Trapanico. So we'll run culture surveys to understand what's the sentiment, what's the organization, where do they have good pockets, where they have pockets that need help. And I bring this up because sometimes I would go to places and they were like, they were pretty rough. These are rough yeah. locations, high stress. You go around and everyone's just, they're loving it. They're like, this is a great place, great place to be stationed. Really like the mission. I'm like, this place looks like a hellhole to me, but okay. <laughs> and then you go to a really nice place, like, I don't know, Hawaii yeah. or someplace where you expected, like, how can you all be so angry at each other? This is a beautiful place. Sure. And I definitely noticed Right. It was how the leaders approached the work and approached people. That was the proxy in the in the, the question. It was a canary in the coal mine. Do yeah. leaders care about the people that they're they're leading? And so from a you know tips and tricks, yes, of course, uh, cranking on the recognition lever, thanking yeah. people, not waiting until there's some kind of great success, but even along the way, thank you for grabbing the oar and pulling hard. Thank you for working as hard as you did yeah. uh, today. No, it sucked. 
for a lot of people, it's, hey, acknowledging like this day, this sucks. I'm glad I'm <laughs> getting to do it with you. Yeah. Like this is a lot of the impetus of why do organizations or, or teams that have been through some hard times, why do they bond more? Because they literally went through it together. So yeah. I look at sometimes the busy season or the rough days as opportunities to build the team. Yeah. The one area, and I wish I'd had this earlier in my career, the one area I would say, even when you get busy, is for training leaders to not transmit first. So in mm. other words, someone comes to you, hey, I've got an issue, it's customer service, they start laying it out. And before you say, take these next three steps, and I know you know the three steps are, before you launch into it, ask, hey, what, what's your idea? How would you handle this? Yeah. Just allow the person to kind of problem solve themselves. They go, I don't know, you're the boss, you tell me. You go, let's say I wasn't here. What would you yeah. do? This takes 30 seconds and it mm -hmm. engages the person to where they're not just being told what to do the whole day, but they're having some autonomy and at least hearing their viewpoint. I think as a leader, you get better ideas, you make better decisions. Sometimes you realize you don't even need to get involved. This gets yeah. right back to the approachable aspect of humble, credible, approachable. If I'm the person that asks questions and I listen, I get much more approachable. Do you do you let people when they come to you and and you and you let them outline how they would handle solution? Will you let them fall a little bit to learn from that, or will you try to coach them before that? Obviously, you don't want anything epically to melt down, but maybe uh, you, you know there's a lot to be can, that can be learned from failure for sure. Yeah, such an art and science we're talking about here, right? Yeah. Like I don't think the word failure has many positive connotations to it. I do like the, there's a quote by Mandela and they were asking him about his elections and what happened when he lost. And he said, I never lost. And they said, no, actually you ran for opposite times and you lost. And he said, I only do two things. I win or I learn. So I yeah. like the mentality of this is what we're going to do, regardless of what the project is. We're going to win or we're going to learn. That's it. Yeah. The second part is, and I would offer readers a good book on this is Turn the Ship Around by a friend of mm -hmm. mine named David Marquet. He was a Navy sub commander. And he talks about above and below the waterline. So if you think about mm. a submarine, it's a steel tube, or I know there are a variety of metals, but let's just call it, it's a metal tube that we fill with electronics and a nuclear reactor and people, and then we sink it in salt water. Like this just does not <laughs> make sense. So yeah. he talks about when we're below the waterline and we're creating our own oxygen and all the stuff, that's not the time to find creative ways to employ the nuclear submarine. <laughs> when we're above the waterline and we're not in combat drills, in other words, it's not the summer, I'm not super busy, like there's yeah. time to relax, this is a very safe environment, that's the time that I would be thinking as a leader, okay, let's try your way. Yeah. Uh, I want you to be aware of these things and watch out for this, because I don't think anybody wants to be quote unquote set up, uh, but do I, do I get some lessons to learn out of this? Yeah, perhaps. I think that's the work of leadership, understanding when is it below the waterline, what is it above. David yeah. Marquet, the ship around, good one. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a good nugget. Thank you. Um, we talked about, you had mentioned having like a development program or something in place to grow your leaders, your new leaders. What? How, how do we then in coach or train our new leaders to look for the next generation, right? To allow us to scale. Like what, is it just, is it again the answer, just that development program again? Or are there different skills, things you need to impart upon the young leaders to look to hand it down? Do you follow what I'm asking? Kind of, do you have any insights yeah. on that? Well, number one, most organizations, they don't tell leaders that's their job. Mm, they don't yeah. say your job is to build, develop, select, identify future leaders. 
That's good and point. if we say that to them, then what's the criteria I'm looking for? Did we tell them, hey, I promoted you because of this? Here are the yeah. factors that I saw in you, and this is why we promoted you. Your job now is not only to develop, it's to identify the next group. You yeah. should be looking at who's going to take your place constantly. So step one is, have we literally made that explicit? It might yeah. be intuition, it might be implicit, but one, stating that's what it is. Two, identifying what are the factors you're looking for? What's the raw product we're looking for? Yeah. And then three, I think it's we do a lot of work on our leadership development, of very similar to what I just mentioned to you. Instead of providing the advice or the perspective first, I want you to think about asking an open-ended question. How would yeah. you handle them? What's the main roadblock here? If you weren't concerned about your career, what would you do? What's yeah. holding you back from that? Magic yeah. wand, what would you do? I'd ask all of these questions to understand someone's thinking because that allows us to identify who is that next leader coming up. We typically tend to equate tenure with that's next in line. And I right. would probably offer, not only, my, not only is that maybe one of the variables, but the other variable is how fast is someone picking something up? Yeah. And the way I get into their thinking is asking some of these open-ended questions. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Very good. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not tenure. We, we talk about all the time tenure. It's not necessarily the most important thing. Just because you've been there a long time doesn't mean you're a great leader. Right. There's those different attributes, those different core values. And um, I, yeah, I wanted to kind of talk about core values just a little bit more if, I, if we could, Matt. Um, how do you allow people to take, you know, say I'm the owner of a business. How do you how do you allow them to to impact or take ownership, foster those that vision, those values in the culture. They can feel like they have their fingerprints on it, but not too much, right? You you still want them to operate within your specific, uh, you know, three or five core values. How, how do you allow them to 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 culture change your culture, put their fingerprints on it? I should say, not change it. I think the the first aspect of this is can we kind of mention this? One is it can't just be driven by the most senior leader. And so right. one is I want to give you what are the indicators that say this is not just about me. Insert company and CEO or president, insert that name. It's not just about that person mentioning it. I'm looking for the indicators that other people are using them within the recognition. Other people are using them in performance. When we mention client success stories, it's yeah. not just about here's a client, here's a customer and the success story, but I'm having the group relate it back. I probably create awards based on this. So it's not just oh. that's customer award. I'm creating a value award. So, and then the last part is, have I defined what the behaviors are? Sometimes we speak about values in conceptual terms, like uh, do the right thing. Yeah. It sounds really good. What's right? To what degree? They do the right mm -hmm. thing always for the business, for the team member, or for the customer? Because those can sometimes be in conflict. So have I defined what they are? So example, Chapman & Co., we only have three values. Seek to understand, show up to serve, make it better. That's it. Those are also very conceptual kind of ideas. Seek to understand to what degree, to what level. So we define mindset and behaviors. Mm -hmm. Seek to understand literally means I want to assume positive intent. It means for whatever the action is, team member, customer, whoever it is, they're not out to be the bad guy. They're not out for the doomsday scenario. There's probably something that's driving why this is. So I'm assuming that they mean it in a positive way. I need to start from that side. Then the behavior of it, it looks like listening. It looks like asking open-ended questions. 
it looks like understanding all perspective of the constituencies before I make a decision. Yeah. If I haven't given those behaviors and mindset, then I can't expect anyone but the senior team to kind of repeat them. And so that's yeah. a little bit about how we kind of roll out values, if you will. I like that. Uh, a big a big thing we find that, um, you know, a lot of times of these business owners, they've worked by themselves for a long time, or they had a small group, right? And these are guys that wear, and gals that wear every hat, and they feel like if they don't touch it, it doesn't get done. So as they grow, like as they, they work with us and we help them grow and, and scale, they have a hard time letting go. They have a hard time allowing other people to lead. Their, their mindset is not where it needs to be. You mentioned mindset a couple of times. So I'd like to get your, your thoughts on how do people, when they've been in that bunker mentality, how do you, how, how do you get them to grow out of that? There are certain things that they can read or, or think about just to kind of get in more of a growth mindset. <laughs> Me like do yoga, meditate. Go <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think just some self-realization a lot of times that people don't realize how they they treat other people, right? And that they're their own worst enemy. We see that all the time. And this is a tough one. You know, I think when we started Chapman and Co, we were two or three people, and that's a tough one. It's tough. Yeah let it go it's tough to watch customer service score come in and go wait what mistake did we make so i just want to start by saying i'm a, I'm a practitioner in this and so i'm not just someone who's like on a podcast like you know paint a pretty picture and breathe or something like that's <laughs> not it's hard it is and hard, it's yes. hard to grow the business and watch how people sometimes take it in a different direction right. i think there is the aspect of understanding eventually we all leave our job whether we yeah. want to or not, eventually that's going to happen. Right. So the real question becomes, how do I want to leave? On what terms do I want to slowly phase out my involvement? Because it's going yeah. to be dramatic at one point or it's going to be progressively getting better. And I would just go back to what are the, this is how I think about this. What are the small experiments I can run that give me more confidence to let go of things? Yeah. I think in this case, and in my mind as well, sometimes as owners, we think about it as in a binary standpoint. I'm either controlling it or I'm not. Well, it's probably somewhere in the middle and I'm influencing it. Yeah. So if I'm going to give over this client, I'm going to let just this portion of it be led by this team. And then I'm going to monitor it really effectively. And I will offer there are times that then I have adjust as a leader and say, that was clearly too much rope. That yeah. I need to go save that one. But there have been other times in our team as well where I'm like, gosh, that is so much better than I could have ever done that. Yeah. So I think the mindset is what's the small experiment we can run that gives me more confidence? I like it. I like it. Kind of wrapping up, man. Just a couple more questions for you. What, what kind of final advice might you have for the business owners in our organization as it pertains to, to growing leaders? Anything we, we didn't touch upon? Well, tequila is never a good idea. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. Wholeheartedly. Okay. <laughs> I'm more of a bourbon guy, but yeah, yeah. But yeah, tequila, no, no. I just, there's just to say, right. Look, I think <laughs> it, it's always tough, right? There's never just one thing. Here are some, just some basics though. One is I would crank up recognition. Right now, retention and the ability oh, for you to retain your top employees, I think is one of the most key things. Yes. I think a lot of times employees will make a decision based on pay and benefits. And I think the ability to market your organization for a total value proposition. What are the hours? How do we treat people? What are your opportunities for growth and development at this company? And yes, pay, 
uh, how what our values are and how we think about these are professional serving professionals, not the customers first and your secondary. I would think about cranking up the recognition for just a job well done, hard work well done, and how someone did the work. In other words, did you exhibit the values of our organization while you were doing the work? Mm -hmm. So I would crank up the recognition. I would articulate what your value proposition is of why anyone would want to join your organization. Yeah. Not just hardworking people at a good place to work. That's better than bad people who are lazy, but what's the value proposition that why should you join this team? Why are we special? I'll be talking about this a little bit and what inspires us, but hardwiring people are inspired to work together to overcome difficult challenges. They want to know they're, they're doing something worthwhile in the community. So I think highlighting all of these things are important. I know it's not just one thing, but I really focus and lean in on the people aspect of this. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, you mentioned about, uh, you know, creating retention and, and creating an environment. In our space, when I started 20 years ago, it was all about 24-7 service, and you just had to be right. available whenever someone called. Now, we have so many big growing companies that people, four-day work weeks for, for you know, for tradespeople, it's, it's crazy, but they're, they're, they're thriving with it. So it's just remarkable how things have changed. Um, yep. Lastly, I know you have some some free tools on your website that people can access, right? I, I tinker around on there. This is an opportunity to plug those, maybe share those with my audience. Yeah, sure. And I'll even plug some other stuff that's not ours. So for a TED Talk, I'd highly recommend Google Mike Drowley, D-R-W-L-E-Y, Mike Drowley. You'll watch a TED Talk. I produced that with a popular author named Simon Sinek. He and I ran a TED event and Mike Drowley was one of the guys, call sign oh, cool. Johnny Bravo. Just a really good talk on leadership uh, that we ended up shooting and now is used for uh, in the military training as well as civilian training environment. So I highly recommend that one. I mentioned David Marquet's book, Turn the Ship Around. Um, if you want to read our book, our publisher would thank you. It's Everybody Matters, uh, The Extraordinary Power of Caring for Your People Like Family, written by Raj Sasoda and Bob Chapman. Our website is CCO, that's Charlie Charlie Oscar, ccoleadership.com. Go to resources, grab stuff on there, copy, put your name on it, say you wrote it. We've got a lot of content, talks, videos you can share with your team, lunch and learns, those kind of things. So please. Yeah. Feel free to go grab that. If you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, my last name is spelled W-H-I-A-T. I think I had a different name than I had some ancestors that came over. There was some kind of gunfight and they decided, I'm not kidding you, I'm telling you a true story. I think they decided to change their last name to the most popular lawmaker at the time and that was Wyatt Earp, but they were illiterate. Oh. So that's why I'm W-H-I-A-T. So connect with me on LinkedIn, happy to share all the stuff we have. Uh, that's a great story. Well, good stuff. Well, Matt, hey, I already had a lot of fun chatting with you. I'm looking forward to, to seeing you in D.C., so I deeply appreciate your time today, and have a great rest of your day and a great weekend. Likewise, Bob. Thanks for having me. That's Matt Wyatt, the founding partner of Chapman & Co. Leadership Institute. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. If so, please like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're on your favorite podcast player, please leave us a five-star review. The two seconds you take to leave us a review will help other success-minded contractors like you find us and hopefully get a little bit better, which elevates our entire industry. And please join me for future episodes. This has been The Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath. Support for this podcast comes from CertainPath Software. CertainPath Software is easy to implement in your business. It combines all the tools, systems, and features you need to run a profitable company of any size, from 500000 up to $200 million. 
CertainPath software is designed to make every step intuitive so you and your team can focus on serving customers. Pricing, invoicing, options, materials, job photos, financing, and more are combined into a single, easy-to-use interface. When technology makes the lives of your team easier, you know they'll be focused on what they do best. Discover how CertainPath's field app streamlines the steps your technicians take on each call. Go to www.mycertainpath.com today to learn more. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the CertainPath family. CertainPath builds successful home service businesses and has for 23 years. We do it by providing contractors with a proven path to success, professional coaching, software solutions, and a member community of over 1,000 contractors just like you. Doubling your sales with a 20% net profit and an inspiring company culture is all possible. Let us show you the way. With CertainPath, success is made certain. Visit www.mycertainpath.com for more information.